your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Welcome to Family Sunday. Kids, I have a question for you. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Would you like to go really, really fast like the Flash? Would you like to be able to fly like Superman? You, what would you like to do? Shout it out. To fly, that's the one you would have, right? Okay, would you like to be invisible? Would you like to be able to transport from one place to another? What's the greatest superpower? I wish that my superpower was making my air conditioning work better than it does when it's 104 degrees. I also wish I had the superpower of making sunburns go away when I'm trying to go to sleep. What I, what I want to show you guys today is that we actually have the greatest superpower already. The greatest superpower, the strongest, the, the, the best of all, the most powerful of superpowers we have inside of us. You don't believe me? It says it right here. It was just read to you on the screen. Let's take a look. In verse 19 of Ephesians 1, it says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? What is this power? Now, it seems like that verse kind of starts in the middle of a sentence. The, the verse before that, Paul's praying. Paul, who wrote this book, is praying that you would know something. He's, he's talking to people who already believe, people who are Christians, people who have placed their faith in Jesus, who've had their hearts regenerated from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Their lives have been changed already because they have the Holy Spirit inside of them. They're Christians. Paul's talking to Christians, and he's praying for Christians, and he's praying that Christians would know three things, that they would, that they would know the hope that they would know about their inheritance, what it is that they're planning to get from God. But the third thing is that you would know the power, that you'd know the greatness of the power of God towards you. What is this power? Well, first off, it's immeasurable, okay? This is how I know it's the greatest superpower right? Superman, we say, is faster than a speeding bullet, okay? That means we were able to measure, and by some comparison, he can move faster than a speeding bullet, right? We, could, we can measure what each of these superheroes are, are able to do. In fact, there are limits. Every superhero has some limit, right? Some kryptonite, right? So there must be one power that's greater than all of the powers, and I'm the wrong person to talk about superheroes. I'm not as much into Marvel and things like that. But I don't, did, did Thanos, he had the greatest power or something like that? He had all five stones or, no, I'm going to stay away from that. But, but, there, but, but this power is immeasurable. You can't measure it. It's so great, it cannot be defined. It's immeasurable. That's how I know it's the greatest power of all time. But Who's it? And I said that this power is in you. Where did I get that? Well, the very next line, it says, 
of his power toward us. And in other sections of scripture, it talks about the, the, the power that is in us. The power toward us, who is the us there, who believe. So for, for Christians, we have a power that is in us, that is toward us, that is the greatest power of all time. But what kind of power are we talking about? It says, according to the working of his great might, if we continue into verse 20, don't do it. Go back to 19, don't give it away. There we go. He could talk about God created the world. Did you know that? Did you know God created all of the world? That's powerful. He just spoke and it came into existence. That actually didn't seem so hard for God. That didn't seem so costly. He spoke and the world appeared. That's powerful. But Paul's got something more powerful in mind. Maybe it was the the splitting of the Red Sea that he would compare this power, the immeasurable power of God that's toward us who believe. Maybe he would talk about uh, some of the miracles that happened when when, uh, somebody was sick and and Jesus made him well. What what kind of power are we talking about? Paul, Paul specifically defines... The power. What kind of power is the greatest superpower of all time? Now we can go to verse 20, Greg. Sorry, I threw you for a loop there. In verse 20, it says, that he worked in Christ. So it's the same power that, that God worked in Jesus. Okay, but, but what did it do? What did this power do? When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Wait a minute. Death is always kind of the limit, isn't it? Death is all things die. No matter how great we make them, we might make things to last a really, really long time, but everything ruins eventually. Everything dies eventually. And so I would say that the greatest power of all time is death because no one can defeat death except God. He did defeat death when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the kind of power we're talking about. The greatest superpower of all time is resurrection power. And you have this in you. Well, wait a minute. What would we do with that? What are we talking about? What is this power used for? See, the very good news about this resurrection power, one thing that Paul's praying, he's praying that you would know that you have this power, this great superpower in you. He's praying that you would know that you have this power already because he needs you to know what you were before you believed in him. In Ephesians 2, the very first verse, it says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So what that means is you were dead, walking around dead, a slave to sin. You didn't have a choice. Kids, you could tell to your parents, Mom, maybe I'm not saved because I'm a slave to sin still. 
right? Like I just, I, I literally cannot do the right thing because I'm still a slave to sin. I'm dead, I'm spiritually dead. But those who believe, right, once you are, uh, once you've placed your faith in Jesus, it says you're not dead. In fact, in Romans 6, it says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ uh, were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Do you realize you were dead? You were dead. Before Jesus made you alive, you were walking around as a dead person. But you're not dead anymore. If you believe in Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are not dead anymore. You have the greatest superpower of all times. You have been raised from the dead, this spiritual death, and you are now spiritually alive so that you could walk in the newness of life. So what does resurrection power do? Well, it not only saves you, but it continues to help you as you're walking in this newness of life. If you've put your faith in Jesus, did you instantly become a perfect person and you never sinned? Has anyone not just, just stopped sinning altogether and they don't sin anymore at all? Okay, so why do we keep sinning if we're set free and we're not slaves to sin anymore. Well, it's because we need to continue to use this power. It is only with resurrection power that we can defeat sin. We, we, we have to stay connected to this, this power so that this power can be activated inside of us so that we don't sin because we need to know what Paul's praying is that you would know that you're you're not dead anymore. You're not a slave to sin anymore. You have a power inside of you that has defeated death and sin. This resurrection power is what will, what will break down your addictions. It will break down those habitual sins, the things that you cannot seem to shake, you, you keep entering into death, seemingly you can't help it. I don't know if you have said that maybe to yourself or maybe you've said it to your parents. I don't know why I keep doing this. I just, I can't seem to stop. Your parents ask you, to did you brush your teeth? And in that moment, you could say, no, I didn't. But for some reason, you keep saying, yeah, I brush my teeth, even though there's still a layer of fur on your teeth, and we can see it every single time. You say, yeah, I brush my teeth. And it seems like it's, you're just driven towards that. You just can't seem to help it. And you might say to yourself, that's, that's just who I am. I can't seem to change. Maybe when mom asks you to put away laundry and you just stuff it under the bed and say, yeah, it's done, right? Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep fighting with my brother and my sister? Why do I keep picking on them and, and to the point of them crying like, I'm just a mean person. I can't change. There's nothing I can do. 
See, what you don't realize is that you have resurrection power inside of you to make a change. That that part of you has died. It's died already, and you have that power. You already have this superpower. What we need is that the eyes of our hearts would be opened to it. Now, some of you guys might have uh, some kind of uh, toy that you play with that needs to be charged up, okay? My son has a hoverboard, and my four-year-old daughter has actually learned how to ride on this hoverboard. Uh, and it's not all that reliable, uh, I know, because I got on it and I fell. So it must have been some malfunction in the machine. Uh, I fell every time I've tried to ride it, I've fallen down and hurt myself. But it's probably, it's probably a malfunction in the machine. But it especially acts a little wonky when it starts to get low in power. And my, my four-year-old, I mean, she, she like glides through the house, like all over the place, around counters, over top of like laundry and everything like that. I mean, it's, an, it's incredible the way that she moves. Uh, but she knows that when it starts making the noise that we've got to charge it up, right? Some of you guys might have the old model of iPhone because you're waiting for that new one and you're just trying to push through the next couple of months and you've got to keep your phone charged all the time. You get in the car, you got to charge, you get to your desk, you got to charge, you get home, you got to charge, and if you don't continually charge throughout the day, your phone dies. So this hoverboard, this phone has power in it, but that power is depleted and it has to be connected in order to, to be powered once again. So, in, 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 in Jesus' day, he, he didn't have, they didn't have plug-ins, they didn't have hoverboards, they didn't have iPhones, so he had to use a different example. You might see where I'm going here when I'm talking to you about, in order to have this power inside of you, you've got to get plugged into the power source. Jesus used a slightly different term. He talked about vines and branches. He talked about in, in order to have fruit, if, if, if you guys have ever driven by the wineries that are around here, you'll see grapes growing on vines, right? They've got trusses that are, are trellises uh, that are set up that the vines are growing onto, and, and the vine comes out of the ground, and then the branches are kind of clipped to the, these, these trellises, right, these wires. And the life of the plant... Is, is that it's connected to the ground, okay? This is the vine that's connected to the ground. The branches, if you cut one off, it might have a little bit of fruit on it, but eventually what happens to that branch? It, it dies. Can a branch live without being connected to the vine? No. So what Jesus says in John 15 he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Now, I've always got to be careful when I make up my own metaphors because Jesus's are perfect and I'm not perfect but what happens if you don't charge that hoverboard? Can it do anything? That iPhone, what if you don't plug in? Can you do anything? No, it's dead. It's lifeless. If we, just like what Jesus says, if we don't stay connected to the vine, we won't have any fruit. What fruit is he talking about? 
Well, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. You guys are singing it in your minds. I know you guys are. These are the fruits. These are the things that we want to be. We want to be better people. We want to be kind. We want to be loving. We want to experience peace. But these things, these things are, are fruits that happen in us. And, and we can't work to make them. Right? Just like a branch can't work really hard to make grapes, it has to stay connected to the vine. Well, that's great, but you're asking me, how do you do that? How do you stay connected to the vine? Well, first, you've got to recognize there is a vine, and that you are a branch, and that you are not the vine. That God is not asking you to produce fruit. He's saying, will you stay connected to me so that I can produce fruit in you? That you don't have the power source in and of yourself, despite what the world might tell you, you are nothing without Jesus. Jesus is everything in you. You can accomplish nothing without Jesus. So you have to recognize that you are the branch and that your job is not to work to prove you belong, that you're lovable. I could say to you what you need to do in order to stay connected to the vine is read, uh, read your Bible and pray. Pray and read your Bible. But, but couldn't that just be a branch working to make fruit? Is it, is it merely just praying and reading your Bible? It is. But it's important how and why you would do those things. Now, if we're going to continue to go back to this power source, we have to go, we have to understand how it is that we do connect. Now, let me, let me just give you something practical, okay? So when I say pray and read the Bible, while, while that is the solution... The point and purpose is to be connected to the power source who is God. And you could pray and read the Bible in a way that you would know a lot about God, but you would not know God. The point and purpose of connecting to this power source is so that you would know God. The whole point of what Ephesians is talking about is that you would know experientially the love of Jesus. And how do we get to know God? We read the Bible in a way that we aren't trying to read as many chapters as we can. You could read one verse and learn something very wonderful about God. When we read the Bible, it's so that we would ask the question, God, is that who you are? Is that what you're like? When we look at the life of Jesus, he shows us perfectly who God is. And we would ask him, so, so God, you're saying that that's how you feel about my sin? That you're loving and, and gracious? You're helping? You're healing? You're resurrecting? So as we're going to God's word, we're, we're, we're learning about who he is. And in prayer, it's not asking things for, from him. It's certainly that in some ways, but it's also, it's also listening. It's also connecting. You, you can pray just this prayer. God, here I am. 
What do you have for me? And just listen. Maybe a Bible verse comes to your mind and you look at it. You might say, I'm, I'm too busy. I can't do that. I, I, I don't have the time to plug in. Well, what happens if you don't? Apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. Imagine if every time we plugged in our phone, we just took two minutes. If we plug our phone into a power source, we're going to plug ourselves into a power source. And what does your phone do while it's charging? Other than, here I am. Juice me up. Right? God, feel me. Resurrect me. Empower me. This is the, the, last, the last thing I want to share with you. There's... There's a story. This really happened. Jesus, he, he tells his disciples to go out onto the lake, and Jesus, he takes a nap. He's tired, probably. He's human, after all. And so he goes to sleep. But on this boat, there was a storm. And the waves kept getting bigger and bigger, and the waves were coming into the boat. And the, and the disciples of Jesus, they were so afraid, and they were doing everything they could. And these were experienced fishermen. These fishermen were, were really good with the boat, and they were very familiar with this lake. And they've experienced storms before, but this one seemed to be more than they could handle. But they're working and they're toiling and they get to the place out of desperation and great fear. Only after trying to save themselves do they think, let's wake up Jesus. <laughs> so they wake up Jesus and they're frustrated with Jesus. Do you not care that we're about to die? They say to him. What does Jesus do? Stands up, peace be still. The storm is calmed. All of their problems solved. They were frustrated with Jesus, but he was their last resort. What was he teaching them? What is he teaching us? We have the power of the spirit of Jesus in our boat, in our storm, and he sleeps. And, and we interpret that as I guess I'm supposed to just do this myself. I guess I'm just supposed to work at getting better, staying afloat. When all along, all that, was, all that was needed is, Jesus, I need help. I'm in over my head here. I can't do this without you. We have that power. That power is inside of us. The spirit of Jesus, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us and it is the Holy Spirit. The greatest superpower of all time. Paul's prayer and my prayer is that you would know that the eyes of your heart would just be open to that. Realize that it's true. I'm gonna have the ushers come forward.